Today's Gospel comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, beginning in the 22nd verse. Immediately made the disciples, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, is it you? Command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began sinking. Began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying that truly you are the Son of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. As we enter into both this text and as we'll walk through Matthew today, also Jesus' triumphal entry seven chapters later, uh, we will consider together uh, the expectations we have and they encounter reality and how different they sometimes are. For example, you ever try a new recipe uh, or maybe even a new flavor of ice cream? only to be disappointed. And then maybe, just maybe, maybe even some years later, maybe even from childhood to adulthood, you try that same flavor or that same recipe again, and somehow, amazingly, right, it's just now a masterpiece. How could you never not have loved it? What's changed? Most likely not the recipe, Most likely not the ice cream, but your palate. Often what has changed is you, me. Ever since a friend of mine invited me to, some years ago, memorize Psalm 37.4, which says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. I've been reminded of a moment like this that, that my Heart desires are changed when I delight in the Lord. That too is what happens when we encounter Jesus in the everyday of our lives, some of which is not easy, right? And in the gospel that you just heard from Matthew 14, and also in Matthew 21, for which today gets its name, Palm Sunday, 
expectations sometimes are confronted with reality. And disciples then and disciples like us now sometimes get disappointed. But the reality, like when we taste that dish again later, shows us something new. That the desires of our hearts are transformed by the reality of delighting in the Lord. However hard a season we may be walking through, whatever storm we may be facing in no way diminishes that. But our perspective changes with the reality of who God is, who Jesus is. Let's think a little more on that reality and expectation bit for just a moment, will you, with me? I'll tell you a story, one of my favorites. Uh, see, I, I'm, a, I'm a West Coast kid. Uh, I grew up in temperate weather like we get to enjoy here in New Mexico. So when I moved early in my ministry to northeastern North Dakota, it was a little shock to my system, right? I thought when the sun was out, it was supposed to be warm outside. And one of those shocking occasions during the winter, I walked into, and maybe you've heard me tell this story over a cup of coffee or a meal together. I walked into the camps, a walk-in refrigerator, doing something in preparation for a retreat that weekend. And I knew what I felt. It was warm in there. I mean, I was getting warmed up in the refrigerator. I thought, oh, this is not good for the camp this weekend. So I checked, and the refrigerator motor, sure enough, was working just like it should. Checked the temperature gauge. Sure enough, it was right in the mid to low 30s, like, right where it should be, but I knew I was getting warmer. And then reality struck because I just walked in from outside where it was 50 below zero. It was 85 degrees warmer in the refrigerator. To this day, it's one of the mysteries of my life. Was that refrigerator heating or was it cooling? Reality encountering expectations, right? Listen, life is hard. I don't need to tell you that. Life was hard for Jesus. And life is still hard for us today. And as we see what God does as he encounters our reality with his reality in these texts, we'll soon discover that the reality of who Jesus is might not change the temperature outside. It might not change the recipe, but it will change us. His reality will overtake our perspective, even our expectations. And even in the midst of hardship and difficulty, move us from fear to faith, from heartache to hope, even peace like we never imagined before. And so like a, a film or a TV show will often do, going back and forth in time to understand what's really going on, we're going to do that in the text today. 
We'll begin with where we are on this Palm Sunday when Jesus entered in on that triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He came down from the Mount of Olives, which has this magnificent, beautiful view of the city. Jesus would have seen Herod's glorious palace and temple that he had refurbished. He would have seen those gates on the eastern side of the city sometimes called the the golden gate, reserved just for the Messiah to come through. And as he walked down that road from Bethage, now at this point, some 100 miles away in Caesarea Philippi, at the headwaters of the Jordan, where Peter first confessed that he was the Christ, and some 62 miles through the Jezreel Valley way of walking, and today 111 miles on highway from the Sea of Galilee, from that story that we just heard. And he made his way to those golden gates, reserved only for the Messiah, fulfilling prophecy, riding on a colt of a donkey, and not only fulfilling so many prophets, not only proclaiming to all who would see that he would come through the gates reserved just for the Messiah, but even echoing back in their history, back when the first king was told he would be king, Saul. Did you know he was looking for a donkey then? All those echoes of history, but Saul, who would fail the Lord, this king would never fail. He would be true and faithful to God's word. And everything would change when he walked through those gates. But the truth is, as he walked through those gates and through the week of Holy Week, the disciples, their expectations had to change as well because many of them were disappointed as he marched through the week. He didn't come as they shouted, Hosanna, which means in Hebrew, save us, to save them from the Roman Empire. He came to deal with another storm, a storm that had been ravaging humanity since the fall of creation. He came to deal with the storm of sin. And make no mistake, he was letting the whole world know who he was on that day, walking through that golden gate. By the way, so much so to today, the, the Muslims who control that section of the old city have sealed off that gate just to make sure, and they've done it for generations now, just to make sure no other messiahs come through it. And with those shouts of Hosanna echoing in his ear, save us. Jesus was saying, the Messiah indeed has come to save you. But it wasn't the first time. 62 miles through the Jezreel Valley, as I mentioned. And by the way, I share all these geographic markers, not so that you become cartographers and experts in uh, biblical uh, landmarks, but to say this, that just as those locations are very real and Someday you can even really visit them again, right? Just as those locations are real that Jesus did his work in, the promise of what he has done and is doing is just as real. And so let's go back now, seven chapters, 
to what we heard read for us today in Matthew 14. And it was not an easy circumstance, right? The waves were buffeting against the boat. And then the disciples saw what they thought was a ghost walking out on the water. Jesus. And one of the most understated translations in just about any translation you find in the New Testament, when it says they cried out in fear, they were screaming, okay? They were terrified. No longer of the water, but who is this on top of it? Now, Douglas Hare, a biblical scholar, will say, well, uh, modern folk will look at that text and, and try to figure out a way to kind of explain it away. Well, maybe, maybe he was walking on the surf. Maybe they were close to shore and he was just walking on the surf. But that doesn't make sense literary because the disciples who were fishermen, many of whom would know that he was on the surf, they wouldn't have been afraid. It doesn't make sense in the context of his Jewish audience either because as you hear in Peter's question, They've been accustomed to God doing some pretty amazing things on water. Whether it's parting the Red Sea or parting the Jordan River to come into the Promised Land. And even though there are several tasks of God being on the sea, Peter realizes, he said, after Jesus says, it is I, he uses this important phrase, ego, I, me. The dog takes us all the way back to the exodus when God says, I am who I am. He's letting the disciples know in no uncertain terms, or as that same scholar will point out, what theologians call a theophany, that is the God showing up. Jesus is showing up. God is showing up. And make no mistake, just as he does through the golden gate, he does on those waters, he says that he is God come to save them. And it wasn't like they expected. I don't know about you, but Jesus often works like that in my life. Oftentimes, the the waves that are buffeting against me don't go away. And they didn't for the disciples. But Jesus overshadowed that, that fear and brought faith as he walked on the water that day. And unlike the bumper stickers that say only one walked on water, it's not true. There were two. And he bid Peter to step out in faith on the water with him. And Peter did. He most certainly did. But like you and like me, it wasn't long. And he looked down at those waves. And he was afraid again. And he began to sink. Those waves often in our life, those storms that we face, they don't go away. They're with us in many different seasons. But what we hear in this text is that Jesus is there with them in the midst of the storm, on top of it, and in faith in Him, they will not sink. But what happens when we get overshadowed by the storm, when all we can think about is The hardship, and it's real. Those waves were buffeting against the boat. The hardship that we face. Well, we here too see Peter. He began to sink. And what did Jesus do? 
Did he give a three-point sermon on why he shouldn't have looked at the waves? No, the sermon came later. First, the Bible says he immediately reached out his hand and saved him. Even in doubt, Jesus reached out his hand and saved Peter. God does that for you and for me when we're overwhelmed by the storm that we're facing and we think we're going to sink and he immediately reaches out and saves us. He changes our perspective. The storm doesn't go away. The cold doesn't go away. The recipe doesn't change. But Jesus is there and we are transformed. Now look, Sometimes we're disappointed. We thought it meant that when we became a Christian that the storms would all go away. Not true. Pastor Michael Keller said that sometimes disciples are let down by Jesus. And they certainly were throughout Holy Week. Right up until they began to understand what he was doing on Easter morning. The disciples were disappointed, Keller says. We come oftentimes to a Jesus to fulfill us in the way that we want. Keller will say, I'm not the king you expect. That's what Jesus says. But Jesus will say to us, I am the king that you need. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, we're reminded now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think or even imagine according to the power at work within us. He isn't always the king that we want of our own creation. After all, we don't get to tell the king what to do. But he is the king that we need. According to an ancient legend, a man became lost in his travels and wandered into a bed of quicksand. Confucius saw the man's predicament and said, it's evident that men should stay out of places such as this. Next, Buddha observed the situation and said, let that man's plight be a lesson to the rest of the world. Then Muhammad came and by and said to the sinking man, Alas, it is the will of God. Finally, Jesus appeared on the scene and said, Take my hand, brother. I will save you. Jesus immediately reaches out and saves us in the midst of the storm. He proclaims, Ego aimai, I am who I am. I am God. He proclaims as he enters into the gates, the golden gates in Jerusalem, I am who I am. I'm Messiah, Come to save us from our sin. Our expectations need to change based on the reality of who Jesus is. And what about you? What about your life? Has it not been what you expected in following Jesus? But have you been paying attention to the king that you need? Jesus is king. Jesus is your king. And we don't get to tell the king what to do. We get to follow him wherever he leads. Woodrow Wilson is quoted as saying, I would rather fail in a cause that will ultimately succeed than to succeed in a cause that will ultimately fail. It may sometimes seem that the failures in our life will overtake us, but remember, we have 
the king that we need who is with us. It may not change your circumstance, but he will change you. As one scholar, Clowney, reminded us, when we are baptized, as you will be, Selah and Annika today, when we are baptized into the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, we are proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is our King. And so we follow Him in the waters of Galilee. We follow Him through the streets of Jerusalem. We follow Him into our daily lives. And we orientate our lives on what will ultimately succeed by being allied with the ultimate Christ Jesus, our Lord, the Messiah, who we shout Hosanna to, King of Kings. And as we heard in Psalm 16, we can pray to preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Or as Eugene Peterson translates that same text, keep me safe, O God. I've run for dear life to you. I say to God, be my Lord. Without you, nothing else makes sense. Friends, following Jesus is not easy. Life is still hard. But when the reality of who Christ is is present in your life, he changes everything. Regardless of your expectations, regardless of the storms, regardless of the brokenness of our lives, the waves of life may be strong, but Jesus reaches out and he is greater. Let him change your palate Because the feast that he sets before us is more than you could ever imagine. Listen, I know the waves are still there for all of us. But we can run to him for dear life. Because he's come to us. Praise him. Shouting, Hosanna to the King of Kings. Save us, Jesus. Jesus is the king that you and I need. And so we pray and we praise Hosanna to the King of Kings. Amen.